this week's show. Delight for Tunbridge Angels manager Steve McKim as he makes FA Cup history at Longmead. We finally got it done. Um, and the players have to take extreme credit for it. But concern for Maidstone United as they worry where the money's going to come from. We did assume we would get compensated for lost gate receipts, which we haven't been. So we're now in, in, a, in a situation where we've got a, a financial crisis that we didn't expect we would have. And Adi Aziz on top form as he scores the winner for Dover against Eastleigh. Ask the strikers to score tap-ins, it will take it over, any day over, over a worldie, so I'm just happy to, to get in the box and get a goal. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, brought to you in association with SCSA Sports Management. Uh, we're later than usual this week because of half-term commitments, but fear not, we've got three interviews for you and lots of chat and a new editing uh, thing for me to try and deal with. I hope it's worked, because uh, if not, this could be really naff. I am John Phipps, who spent part of this afternoon trying to unclog a drain. And on the line now is a man who has called me twice this week, wants to implore me to watch Dover on a stream, and wants to describe himself in the third person as... Happy Matthew. It is, of course, Mr. Matthew Gerrard. How are you, pal? Not bad, thanks. Not bad. So what's this new editing thing? Does it new bit of software? No, it's just where, because of the way we're recording this now, I'm going to just slot some bits in and hopefully it'll be seamless. All right. Does that make it easier for you? Because you do. No, it's going to make it much harder, but it's going to mean we can get this uh, out of the way quickly. This might be a bit of a bite-sized one anyway, mightn't it? Because we've been yeah. going really long for a while. So it's nearly, you know, nearly the end of Thursday. So we thought we'd get this out as... Um, well, we can, because it's been a big week again, John, so I'll leave you to, you know, start rolling the script or start rolling VT, whatever you say. Well, yeah, whatever. It's our 143rd episode this week. We're still in nowhere near being any good at this. And apparently the kids sometimes use uh, 143 as code for I love you, because that's how many letters there are in each word. Isn't that cute? Let's not tell them that there's also four letters in hate, or else they'll all be screaming it at their enemies down the park or wherever they're allowed to hang out these days. On with the show then, and let's start with the man who made history last weekend by guiding Tunbridge Angels into the FA Cup first round for the first time in 48 years. They did it in some style as well, thumping Taunton Town 5-0, and their reward was superb as well. A home tie against the 1911 FA Cup winners Bradford City, currently of League Two. So after that draw, I caught up with manager Steve McKim. It's something that has taken a long time in coming not just from me, but from previous managers. We finally got it done, um, and the players have to take extreme credit for it because they're the ones that go out and, and perform. And uh, like I say, they're, they're, they're talking about history making me and stuff like that. It's not me, it's the players, because they go, and, they go and put their bodies on the line to get the result, and they've done that in the last three games to get us in the first round. And obviously on, on Saturday, a, a, an emphatic win over Taunton. You must have been delighted with that. Yes, yeah, we um, done a lot of work, especially after the game where we was very below par. Um, we had a good chat afterwards the game there. No, no, no panic, panic um, bills ringing or anything like that. We had a good, honest chat. Um, we had a good meeting on Tuesday as well because we don't, didn't want things to sort of like linger about and knowing the big game was coming up against Taunton. Trained very hard on Tuesday, trained very hard on Thursday worked to a game plan and on Saturday it worked perfect for I suppose the only disappointment about your, your cup run is that none of your supporters are able to watch it it must be so frustrating yeah of course but I think every club is going to be in the same boat and uh, say the same thing we're very disappointed that they can't be part of this bit of history um, 
but I do know after Saturday from the pubs and the screaming that was going on, there was loads of fans about painting the town blue, and I can only imagine it being more now we've got this game coming up against Bradford. How did you feel on Monday night when those two balls came out together? Um, yeah, it was great. You know, we, we obviously watched the first, me and Barry were together, we watched the first ball come out, which was us, and we were just hoping for a league side then, um, any league side, so the players could play against a full-time outfit and to get someone like Bradford, you know, you, you could wish for Bradford, Ipswich, Portsmouth, any hole, any of them big, big teams, and like I say, Bradford are a big team, um, have been over the years, and to get them, mate, it, it was just fantastic. Uh, and I suppose you might be hoping that you'll be getting a call from the BBC or BT Sport at some point as well. Yeah, I've been over that many a time. I, I look at it that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. We'll just concentrate on going to go and play them, and um, anything else is a bonus for the club. You're in quite a unique situation in that that's actually your next game, isn't it? Because you, you haven't got a game this weekend because of the odd number of teams. Yeah, the odd number of teams and our weekend's falls this weekend, so we'll just be working our training and stuff. But we, we um, they can't watch us. They'll watch videos on us, a bit like us. We probably can't watch them, so we just have a look at a few videos of them. And then it's, it's on the day, whatever day that may be, um, with 11 players playing against 11 players to start with. And, and see who comes out on top. It'll be a, a great day for, for you and your team, won't it? It will be, yeah. Yeah, it'll be a special day, you know. First round of the FA Cup. People might have a laugh about it, but for Tombridge Angels fans and, and that won't be there but are being around the pubs, for the players that are here at the moment that have made this history, it will be a big occasion for them. Nothing they get swallowed up in because it's just another game of football, regardless who they're playing. But it's a big achievement for them, um, not necessarily on their CVs, but for them just to have as record breakers or history makers for a club that they may play here for the whole season, they may play here next season, they may leave at the end of the season. But that bit of history will never go away from them and they'll be remembered at the club for a long, long time. Away from the cup, it's been a bit of an up and down start in the league, hasn't it? Yes, it has, which we started very well against Billericay. Uh, we played Hungerford and lost, and it was a nil-nil game and all over it. But they had two bits of quality, well, one bit of quality, which was a free kick, and then an error of judgment from James Shaw uh, when he thought he heard the whistle, which made it a two-nil game. And we did. We all oh, we ended up with absolutely blitzed by Oxford in the first half hour, which was wasn't unexpected, but we couldn't deal with them and the way they played. Done better in the second half, um, but the game was lost by then. So, as I said, we are three points better off than we were last year. Um, we had three points out of four games. We got three points out of three games. And we look to improve season on season. So, in my eyes, the first four games we've improved because we've got three, or first three games we've improved because we've got three points where we had none last year. And we're just a club about improving it each year. And if we can do that, if we can improve on last year, we'll stay in the league again. And that's all we're about. We, we haven't got the resources and we haven't got the um, powers to go and get players willy-nilly to, to compete at the top end of the league. If we're consistent, and that is a big word at this level, if we're consistent, we will have a good season. Um, but if we're not, we'll be down the wrong end of the table fighting for our lives and, and that's what we'll do. 
I've got every faith in the 17-man squad I've got to be consistent. So we'll be at the better end of the table. Not saying playoffs, not saying promotion. We'll be at the better end of the table, in my opinion, because I'll demand consistency out of the players and they'll demand it out of themselves because they know what they can do. Um, and if we get that, we'll be at the right end of the table not to worry about going into the running, um, worrying about relegation. And obviously, I, I saw you've made a few comments on, on social media about the money that's been given to the club. And that, that that grant is absolutely vital to Tunbridge Angels. And as you've said, it's not going to go on splashing at the, the cash on extra players. This is to help the club survive, isn't it? Yeah, my budget was set um, during pre-season. Oh, I had a word with the chairman just before we started pre-season. The budget was set then. I knew what the budget was. I knew what players I could bring in. Um, we've got a 12-man scheme that runs, which I can use as well. So this money we're getting will not cover anything other than wages and running costs and bits and pieces like that. Um, whatever we get is no business of any other club. If they're worried about what some angels are getting and what they're not getting, then they've got to have a good look at themselves and think, did they do the right um, due diligence in what could happen during this COVID pandemic um, before pre-season started. My answer to that would be, no, they didn't. Because we knew, or we half expected, that fans were not going to be allowed in before... We, we didn't know when the football was going to start, so we knew fans weren't going to be allowed in. And we, we accepted that they probably wouldn't be until January. It might be longer. So you have to budget for that. Regardless what payments you're going to get, you're getting helped out. And people aren't going to help you out to the maximum of what you expect. It's as simple as that. Now, like I say, we put in the forms that we were asked to put in, and we put our forms in correctly. Now, we've got nothing to worry about, nothing to hide behind. We've got what we've been given. So as I've seen and read, people need to worry about their own houses and throw stones at our house, because all, all it's going to do is bounce off the plastic that we've got as windows straight back at them. That's, that's my analogy of that one. And, and I can't stand people talking about other clubs. I don't do it. I don't talk about my, my clubs players um, because it's not my business. And all that is, that's a deflection in my opinion from what they've done. And they obviously haven't done their maths right. They obviously haven't decided the right way to go forward. But again, that's their, their choices. But don't come knocking on my door or my club's door, moaning and bleating that Christmas has come early for us. And again, I won't mention the club. It's been put out there because Christmas hasn't come early. Our club's run as a tight ship. It's run correctly. Always has done. Always will be. Um, and we make the right decisions at the right time for the football club. So if my chairman had said to me, your budget's going to be this much, before he knew what we was getting, your budget's going to be this much, then I would have had to deal with that. You know? Um, and that's how I see it. So, like I say, it's it's very frustrating when people talk about other clubs and they don't know the ins and outs of what goes on. I'm just going to leave it there because it go too deep into it, then I'll start letting a few things out that I shouldn't. But, like I say, that, that's it. And just finally, going back to the FA Cup, an absolutely brilliant occasion. You're up against Stuart McCall. It's the battle, it's the battle of the S-Mucks. Um, a, a fantastic <laughs> opportunity for you and for your players, as we've all kind of said. 
massively, like I say. For, for me to, I've done it as a coach, I've done it as a player, played in the first and second rounds on quite a few occasions. I've been lucky for the teams I've played for. But to actually be a manager um, against someone of that calibre, um, it, it'll be brilliant. It'll be brilliant, you know. Um, he's done everything in the game that could be international, you know. He's, he's played at Wembley, he's played for some top clubs. Um, and just to try and pick my wits against someone of his stature and my players to compete against league players that are good league players, by the way, it'll be um, it'll be good for us. It'll be good. We'll talk about the financial stuff at length shortly, but first and foremost, Matt, what a fantastic result that is for Tunbridge Angels, a side who've been notorious for their FA Cup failures in recent years, and you could hear the pride in Steve McKim's voice, couldn't you? 48 years is a long time, isn't it? And I know, you know, having you know, been friendly with Matt Davidson, who's a big Tunbridge Angels fan, he was sort of... Um, I think it's always been a bit of a problem for them. They could never get there. I think they've got to the fourth qualifying round before then sort of bottled it and things like that. But you fancied them against Taunton, the league below them, a bit of a trek for Taunton to come. And they've done a job. I think I thought, I think I thought it was 2-0 at half-time and I went up to the end of the game. It was 5-0. Absolutely fantastic. I'm absolutely delighted for them, for all the club, for the supporters. The only thing, you know, after that fantastic draw against Bradford, you'd have been looking, what, 3,500, an absolute sellout there. The people of Tunbridge would have come out. The only disappointing thing is that there'll be nobody there. I, I, don't, I haven't noticed the TV games yet, John. It's nearly five o'clock on Thursday. Do we have any idea if that should it, it should be one of the four they're going to choose? I'll be it's got to be, isn't it? You'd be absolutely distraught if you're not. No, it's, it, I, I would. As I said to Steve, there, you know, you, you've got to be waiting for the call for them. And and you know, you look down that list of ties. And they've got to pick that up. I've got a feeling that Portsmouth against Ipswich is going to get picked up somewhere along the line. Oh, look at these two big clubs meeting. But it's got to be got to be on. That's one of the most standout ties uh, in that whole competition. And as well, massive credit to Bradford City fans. I don't know if you've seen this, Matt, um, but they've set up a little fundraiser uh, to to raise money for Tunbridge Angels who obviously would have got the money from the gate receipt. So instead, the, the a number of Bradford fans have donated money to the club to say, well, we would, we'd have come, we'd have paid the money, so we'd like you to have the money anyway. And more than a thousand pounds they've raised, which is absolutely fantastic gesture from a very well-run club. Oh, Bradford, you know, I think they've got eighteen thousand season ticket holders. Been ex Premier League, Stuart McCall. You know, they've had hard times at the moment being in um, League Two, aren't they? I don't think they're doing particularly well, but shows what the character of that club and the supporters are straight away. That they were said, oh, you know, they probably, you know, Bradford fans would probably love to day out on the. Uh, and, and Kentish, Kentish land as well. So absolutely fantastic, but unbelievable draw. We'll, I suppose we'll discuss the draw next week because the game's coming up in 10 days' time or so, aren't they? So we'll discuss it more there, but absolute dream tie for, for Tunbridge. And I'm absolutely, um, well, could there be a shock on the cards? I really hope so. Maybe it's the Angels' year, but you've got to feel for those supporters, the, the Matt Davisons, who's 50-odd, I think he is, near enough. I think and, he's uh, not quite there, actually. So yeah. I think you might, you might want to apologise to Matt Davison. Yeah, so, but, but, you know... Been a fan all his life, and fortunately he might be able to go. But his dad and his son, who are also massive fans, might not be able to go, which is absolutely heartbreaking because some of the best, as a supporter I've had as my team, some pretty much heartache in the FA Cup, but some absolutely glorious days that you never forget. 
Exactly. Uh, we must also, Matt, talk about Cray Valley Paper Mills, uh, who definitely would have been on the list were it not for what happened on Monday night. Uh, a stunning afternoon for them at Maidenhead. They came from 2-0 down to dump out the National League side. A last-minute goal sending the Millers through for the first time in their history. An absolutely fantastic achievement, that is. But that joy must surely have been tempered a little bit by a really disappointing tie for them. A way to have and Waterlooville. What a disappointment. Yeah, but unbelievable result. 2-0 down. Got it back to two all. Maidenhead missed the penalty. Maidenhead, of course, who've won, I think, four in a row in the National League. And they've beaten some big sides in there. And they've gone there. It's a beautiful last-minute winner. And the scenes are unbelievable. You know, you know, the limbs, that, as the kids say. Limbs. Yeah, yeah. You know, the people behind the scenes of the club. They've had some great times going to Wembley, et cetera, like that. But again, they'll never forget that. And it's an absolute pig of a tie against having a Waterlooville, who are, well, to be fair to them, they're pretty similar to Maidenhead in terms of how they play football. So... You never know. They'll go there as big underdogs, underdogs, Craig, but absolutely fantastic regard against Maidstone. What odds would they have been 2-0 down at half an hour gone, John? Probably 25 to 1. They turned it around. So, um, And a fair play to Kevin Watson, who is a, a really good guy. And uh, Do you think winning that game, is that better than going playing at Wembley? It'd be interesting to ask him that. Do you know what? I'm going to try and ask him that over the course of the next week, and we'll try and get Kevin Watson on next week's show. I've just got to get, work our way around some timing issues, because obviously it's very difficult with all these midweek games, but we will see what we can do uh, in terms of that. Fair play to him. Bromley also made it through after beating Sutton, and we could have had a Kent non-league podcast derby in the first round, had Dover not gone out on penalties to Yeovil. Uh, there was also a disappointment for Cray Wanderers, who were beaten 3-2 by Canvey Island and missed out on a trip to Banbury in the first round. Uh, those ties are next weekend, as you've heard Steve McKim say there, and we will look ahead to all three of them on next week's Ken Only podcast. Now, we spoke last week about the National League's financial grant, and you have to say Steve McKim, I thought, spoke very well about it from a Tumbridge Angels point of view. One club in the county not so happy are Maidstone United, whose current Oliver Ash was not a at all pleased about it last week and to be brutally honest he's not thrilled this week either I caught up with Oliver earlier this afternoon and started by asking him if things have moved on at all since the announcement last week uh, yes we, we we have we've spoken to an awful lot of people um, and a, a group of a group of clubs who are particularly um, concerned by the, the way the distribution was done um, have sort of got together to uh, to speak to the league and to speak to people in, in, involved in football and the general view from from people who are, who are outside the game but who, who are, um, understand what was done was is that the decision which was which was taken by the board is is, um, is just not based on the, the, the purposes of the funding and that it's a, it's it's a real problem and, and uh, it's it's an error of judgment on the part of the board to have taken the decision they took. So we have got together with, at the moment we're we're about eleven clubs and we've written to the league to ask them to reconsider urgently. And if they feel they're conflicted, which they are, and cannot take the decision, then they should appoint an independent panel urgently to review it in line with what the government said it should be, which is to compensate clubs for lost gate revenues because fans aren't allowed into grounds. It's as simple as that. So for you, the simple the, the, the simple way to do it is that the club who's get got the biggest attendances gets the most money, and the clubs with the fewest get the least, and that's the way. You, in your interpretation, that's how it should be divided. Well, it should be divided based on lost gate revenues, and what what that means is is basically the effect of people coming through the gate, and obviously, 
there's no perfect, simple and one answer to calculating what that means because each club has a different pricing structure. Each club has different concessions. Some clubs may have a number where there are a lot of free tickets given out. It's not really easy to get a perfect answer. But one fact is that, that all the attendances are known and the clubs with bigger attendances suffer more from not having fans in their ground, quite simply, than the clubs with, with smaller attendances. So that should be the predominant factor. And no, it, once you step outside that and you start to look at subjective factors, which is what the, the, the National League board did, then you get into a, a very, very thin ice because you, you start to make subjective calls on what you think clubs need and what you think whether clubs have told the truth or not in, in, in sending in a form saying how they're going to be hit by um, the, 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 the lack of gates and whether their estimates of, of, of sources of income or savings and costs, whether they're accurate, it becomes impossible to make an objective judgment, um, let alone when you're on the National League board and, and each, each voting member of the board has a, has a club that they represent. So there is a manifest conflict of interest. And, and, uh, and I'll say that one thing which, which um, is a very Kent thing, which is that uh, I, I believe that Jim Parmenter said that the, the allocation amounts were not decided by the National League board. Um, it, it's false. The National League board decided on the distribution. He is wrong in saying what he said. Uh, we, we had a conversation with the chairman and the vice chairman of the National League. The FA have confirmed it. You can't wriggle out. It was a National League decision, a National League board decision. Uh, and in, in, in the cold light of day, that decision should not have been taken because every member was conflicted. So all we're asking the board to do is to, is to reconsider this in the cold light of day. And if they feel that they can't decide because of this conflict of interest, it should go to an independent panel to, 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 to be reviewed. Do you think it might have been a more palatable decision had it been one blanket payment for National League, one for North, one for South, as opposed to the top seven in the National League seemingly getting more than the rest of the teams in their league? No, not at all, John. I, I, that's 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 not at all what what the, the funding. When we were told, um, you know, the, just, you have to look back at in in the months before um, all this happened. The the National League was saying quite rightly that that we either go ahead with the season with supporters or not, and then that changed over the months to we'll either go ahead with supporters or with funding or not at all, and the the government, I think it was the 18th of October, came out to say we will support the National League on the basis of, of compensating for lost gate receipts. I mean, that's, that, that couldn't be clearer. And lost gate receipts are not the same whether you're Notts County or whether you're Hungerford. And it's not up to the National League to start saying we think, we think in our extremely subjective way that one club needs more money than another. That's, that's the road to disaster. The, 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 the objective way is to follow the government guidelines and to apply it in in some form that is a sensible form. And, and to do that, you know, is not very very difficult. We we think there probably are plenty of different formula which would would not have been open to such huge criticism than the formula they've chosen. Aside from, from from that actual issue itself, how much of an impact is everything at the moment having on Maidstone United as a club? Everything. 
everything being everything going on in the season. Well, I can tell you that the impact of the distribution decision is having a very serious impact, as it is to clubs like Dulwich and Hereford, who rely, like we do, on on gate revenue for a significant part of our income. Um, for, for the rest of it, we, we are battling away like like all the clubs with with um, playing with the COVID restrictions and without without crowds and and uh, doing what we can to to make the season happen and. and uh, give the supporters something to follow, even if it's on streaming or on radio broadcasts, and that's that's better than nothing. But it's a very weird feeling this season. Um, let alone when, like me, you're you're stuck in France and you, you you haven't been back to England for nine months. But I think for for you guys and for fans generally, it's it's a very strange situation to not be able to go to matches because that's what non-league football is all about: going to matches and having a drink with your pals, watching the football. You just mentioned that you are in France, where a new lockdown has, has come in. Bearing in mind everything that's going on at the moment, would you want supporters to be back in the Gallagher, or, or are you happy to, to keep going this way because the virus is, is is the most important threat at the moment? Look, I think uh, obviously the virus is, is a threat, and, and uh, the way things are going, you know, you have to listen to what what government says and, and uh, what the health experts say, and, and the health experts. Uh, certainly in France, um, uh, recognise now that the virus has got to a stage where we have to lock down again. So my rugby club is looking at playing its next um, home match behind closed doors and that has a huge impact on finances and clearly it's not sustainable in the long term to be playing behind closed doors and and, and, uh, particularly for our non-league teams. It really is, um, it's not tenable. So we we have to grin and bear it. Uh, I don't in any way um, think that that, that um, you know I wouldn't go against the health experts in saying that it's not tenable for fans to be you know in in great numbers in in clubs like ours. The fact that there are inconsistencies and that they're allowed to watch Herne Bay and not allowed to watch Maidstone, I think all I would say is it's 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 not justifiable that there should be inconsistencies. I'm not saying I'm not capable of saying whether it's right or wrong that fans should be allowed in. I bow to the health experts for that. I'm just very sad. For, for football fans and football people everywhere that it's got to this stage where you know we in the sixth division of football have have got players playing in front of nobody uh, and we have a sort of you know a streaming service that, that provides some entertainment for some people it's uh, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs and I just hope it gets it resolves itself as quickly as possible um, in the interest of everybody and just finally, on the pitch, it's been a, a, an OK start to the season in, in Hakan's first full season on his own. It is his first full season on his own, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> it's been an OK start to the season uh, for Maystone. You only lost one league game so far, but obviously disappointed in the Cup. Yes, it's, it's, uh, it was disappointing in the Cup. And, and, but yeah, I'd say on the field that Hakan's done some really good recruitment with a very limited budget this year because we, not knowing what our income would be, we, we cut the budget back um, significantly um, but we did we did assume we would get compensated for lost gate receipts which we haven't been so we're now in, in, a, in a situation where we've got a, a financial crisis that we didn't expect we would have but on the field he's done very well we've got some yeah he's reshaped the, the squad and I think the squad is a we've got some good players we've got some 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 uh, uh, they're, they're playing well together and uh, you know so the season has started well and we can be pleased with that. The, the only thing clearly we can't do is take penalties. It's almost unbelievable that we've missed 
seven out of eight penalties and four in the matches. Uh, that really is ridiculous. So, I mean, had we not missed all the penalties, we'd probably be doing a little bit better. We might still be in the cup. So, in the cold light of day, I could smile about it. After the, the sort of the fourth one in the row was missed, uh, I wasn't very happy. But there we go. And I suppose it must be difficult for you being out in France just watching the games. Is the streaming your friend? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's as I say, it's, A, it's better than nothing. And B, we're very fortunate that we've got a really good camera operator and streaming maestro, uh, John Gooch, who does our streaming. And he does a really good job. And, and apart from the teething problems we've had, the quality of what he does uh, is, is fantastic. And, and we've I've watched a couple of streams from from other clubs and uh, they haven't been in the same league as John in terms of the quality of his stream so I can only urge our supporters to, to buy buy our package and help us by doing that and they'll get a great quality of stream and it's some clubs I know have got automatic systems and, and you know we were watching who was it last week uh, I can't remember Chelmsford and, and Chelmsford stream was on an automatic and it kept following everything but the ball so there'd be a the ball would come across and the, the camera would just pan away to the other penalty area watching the the goalkeeper sort of cleaning his boots and you're thinking what the hell's going on the other way so we had the whole match watching the camera before performers uh, had had a couple of bottles of vodka before the game and that was a bit frustrating so our, our john does a great job and it's a lot better than nothing so for the time being we're grateful at least we've got that it's a pretty bleak situation for Maidstone United in terms of they were expecting to, to get a, a fair whack and they really feel that they haven't, Matt. Yeah, I can understand that. I'm not going to get in the way of whereabouts with um, David Chairman Jim Parment and what, you know, he's probably is, but it could turn into a war of words between the two. So, and we haven't had Jim Parment on the pod, so we can't really discuss that from there. But I, I do feel for Maidstone, um, if it was to be on the gate receipts, clearly they've lost out by a great deal. Um, hopefully they can make that up from that point of view. I, I think the question you said there, well, would you have been happy if the National League um, would have got one pot, second pot to the other two leagues? And he said no, because it should be made on the um, on the gate receipts. Uh, I've got a funny feeling, John, this can run and run. I don't know when the clubs were supposed to get their checks. After they're getting them this week or whatever. Will this delay clubs getting money or well, this is the thing. Surely quiet, this this is all over as soon as the money hits the bank accounts yeah. because they're not going to say they're not going to say oh well we've reviewed it now and we've decided that actually you've now got to pay us money back Dover yeah. because I don't think Jim Palmer will say oh yes please take the money will he? No, I, I presume they're going to when the money. I presume the money's sitting in some the National League's bank account and they will divvy it up, but. I know the you know he mentioned there Herefords, the Dulwiches, Yorks. I think Notts County have come out as well and said about this. But you probably you probably need a higher board, higher somebody higher than the National League board to step in there. And I, I would have thought, I know this respect, the government have got other things to worry about at the moment. Are they going to say, "There's the money. It's up to you to deal it up how you want it to do"? Well, um, is Oliver Oliver is making a fair point there by saying that someone independent should be in yeah, and, yeah. and making and making this decision for them. Yeah, that does make a a little bit of sense. I don't know who the other members of the board are. We think the Bourne Wood guys on there and Jim Parminter. So I don't know who the rest of the board are, but there definitely seems to be. Um, there hasn't come from that. What I will probably do would do is for the National League, if they could say, right, this is how we've worked it out. That might not necessarily appease them, but at least give some um, transparency of right how they've worked the the financing out. 
after a lot of the clubs said that they were supposed to put in there just their their gate receipts over the time. And as he said, you can look at the average attendances from certain clubs. I don't know, and I did Oliver did say that, and he put on that certain clubs give free tickets away, and certain people you've been given away £99 season tickets. So your tendencies could be, your money could be a little bit from there. But I think when we had, had this at one point, we we did discuss it could be an absolute night, minefield to work it out. But I think it's even gone further than that, really, isn't it? It is. And it's going to run and run and run. And, and I think whatever way they do it now, the, the initial decision means whichever way they do it, someone is going to end up aggrieved because we're going to leave it as it is and the likes of Maidstone, Hereford, Dulwich, York are all going to feel really aggrieved or they're going to change their minds and the likes of Boreham Wood are going to feel really aggrieved. And this is where the problem all lies. And, and you know, obviously, I understand Oliver Ashley's viewpoint and we did talk about it at length last week. Uh, but Steve McKim, he obviously feels very passionately about it as well. And he made a good point of we're not going to use this money to all of a sudden improve our squad. He said, we're, we're going to do what we can to keep this club surviving. And, and that's where the quandary lies, because you've got really well run clubs like Tunbridge Angels. And this is no fault of their own. They've not stretched above their their limits and they need that money to survive. And you've got other clubs who might be in have a bit more in the bank who are going to be able to use this money to to bankroll their way up a league. And, and that's where the problem really, really lies, isn't it? Well, yeah, uh, you could look at it that the Knox counties of this world are knowing they're missing 6,000. They've got very rich owners who've taken the club on. But if they were on this pro, they'd probably say that wouldn't be the case. Um, Bournemouth do get a lot of money as well. Not, you know, I'm not kicking Bournemouth when they're down, but... They get a lot of money from Arsenal from using their surface, their pitch, don't they? So um, it is a difficult one, but I, I can't, as it's gone this far, I can't see the National League backing down on it. Um, I think they probably should have put a statement out of the National League, but they haven't. Um, but I do feel for Oliver. Um, as he said there, they budgeted this season with that money being a little bit higher. Now they have to cut the cloths, but you know, yeah, and, and, they, and they run the club the right way. Steve McKing, you know, I did say that, you know, certain things may be pointed at that they've been criticised, that they've won the lottery and Christmas had come early. But as he said, you know, it's no fault of their own. They're quite happy with what they've got. So we'll go from there. But I you know, appreciate Oliver coming on the show here. But where do they go from here? The National League has been very quiet. Unless they state anything, uh, where's it going to go? Would it go to the highest court here, really? Could the likes of those clubs... You know, try and have a, like not sue, whatever the word is, have a word with the National League saying, well, we don't agree with this. I know, and it's just going to run and run and run, which is a little bit frustrating. Uh, a bit for, like this for... season, I think, as well, could run and run. <laughs> exactly. We've seen, seen a lot of games called off as well. So, yeah, it's just, um, you know, 2020 has been a difficult year and I think this doesn't actually help. Um, but I've got no, I've got no how they're going to get out of way with this. Get, get, get on with this now as you say the, the bank the money might have hit people's clubs bank accounts and they might have said right we're using that to keep the club afloat you're not gonna give money back are you so it's a real real strange one absolutely well on then let's talk about the football uh, now our third interview this week comes from crabble where dover continue to play with the emotions of my co-hosts as they came from behind to beat eastley and after he scored the decisive goal man Matt managed to get onside with Addy Aziz, a little nod for your regular listeners there, and have a chat with the Dover frontman. Yeah, massive three points that we needed it. Um, it carried on from Saturday, really. I know it's the FA Cup, but we knew that 
especially in Turkey, there's positives. Obviously, I weren't there through down to injury, but obviously watching the game and talking to the boys, it seems that we're starting to just to play more. You can see it. You can see it's, it's still good around the camp and we kind of got momentum now, so it's good to kind of take it today and get the three points. For you personally, off the mark for, for the season and uh, it was a good goal. And we were saying that you've been, we've been counter-attacked quite a bit this season and it was nice to do it to the opposition today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like, like I said, I'm... Um, Going forward, now, I feel like we're creating a lot more chances. Um, we had a chat uh, in the last few weeks, and we know our strengths now. And so it, it was nice to kind of, like you said, we've been on the end of a few counters. So it was nice to to hit them on the count with the pace we have in the team. So yeah, happy days. Talk about the goal. Um, Akeem Rose did really well. He, he looked up, and you, you know, he still had a bit to do, though. Yeah, no, Akeem was brilliant when he came on. To be fair, um, he's been looking sharp in training, and he. Like I said, he took, took it to the game and he used his pace, his power, and he actually used his, his footballing brain as well, which we see he, can, he has got. He's got it. He's got it. He's sitting training. So he got his head up and he managed to pick me up, which was nice. Pleased with the finish? Uh, yeah, of course, of course. Like, like I said, ask the strikers to score, tap in, it will take it over any day over, over a worldie. So I'm just happy to, to get in the box and get a goal. You all seem to be the, the leading the line up front for Dover. You know, your work rate's really good. It's just getting more goals in your game, is it? Exactly, exactly. And I feel like I can do here. I feel like boys now will create a lot of chances. So, I feel like I'll score, I'll score quite a few goals here and like I said, it's just nice to get off the mark and, and long may it continue. Some people were writing Dover off after the, the poor start to the season but now, you know, two wins out of, two, six points out of six games sort of thing from there. What do you think the quality in the squad Because it's a very young squad, you're probably one of the older heads in it. Yeah, yeah, 26 years old, I think I'm one of the, I'm the fourth oldest. Um, but yeah, no, nah, we've got a lot of quality. Um, sometimes... Uh, you can see probably in games maybe it's the it's the youth in the obviously how young we are maybe we kind of a few mistakes but we're still we're cutting it we're cutting them out that's the main thing we're cutting them out game by game and and it's going to take a few the older heads me myself included to kind of help the boys through but the quality is it's, it's there to see it's clear to see so I think we'll I think we'll be okay this season Watching on Saturday you know probably be a difficult game they've got promoted big strong physical side so could be a different game than it was today Absolutely like, I feel like we can do both sides of the game to be fair I know obviously our game now our strength is getting the ball down um, playing around but I feel like we can mix it up and I feel like no matter where, whether we play a footballing team or, or a physical team like you said I feel like we can mix it up and kind of compete with them and it's another home game. Um, they've got a long way to travel, so I think that will be, be a good game Saturday. Have you set yourself any goal targets for the season? I have, I have. I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> I always keep it to myself, but yeah, like I think you always have to have targets in any aspect of life. So I've definitely got my targets and um, I mean, I keep them close to my chest. That sounds like a, a, a good goal, uh, Matt, and, and a good win for Dover Athletic, one that your boys needed. Yeah, it was a... Um, what I would say is maybe there's not the quality of this Dover side in seasons before, but the endeavour was there, which we clearly didn't see against Aldershot, and the fight and the determination that Andy Hesenthal has put into the squad. So Aziz, I think um, he was man of the match on Tuesday. Uh, it, I've mentioned in the commentary on that, I don't think he's a natural goal scorer, but his work rate is phenomenal. He'll barge defenders, and I think um, they worry about defenders, and you've seen Louis Collins scored three goals in two games, and a good finish from Louis as well. On, t- on Saturday so yeah I think it was a big win for Dover again other sides are struggling down the bottom big game on Saturday against Auction if they can win that gives them what nine points from seven which is probably a good start to the season for them when you look at it and a few weeks ago it was all doom and gloom a little bit mostly from me as well so um, yeah it was a good dogged resilient performance from Dover they're looking a bit suspect when crosses come into the box which is concerned but the young 18-year-old kid from Arsenal will probably grow into the game and still a very young side when you're missing some players, but a good performance and 
uh, what they deserve, really. And it was a good counter-attacking goal. Good Hakeem Rose, who, to be honest, has been absolutely appalling in his first few games, came on a sub and turned the game because he, he was absolutely lightning. And, and what I liked about him, normally when, you, when I've, we've said this before, if you've got a quick player, sometimes you've got no end product. And when he was through there, he could have just Anthony Jeffrey style, walloped it into the crowd. When he, but he waited for Aziz and put it in. And a couple of times he showed his, I think he mentioned in the, in the um, interview Aziz, he's got a good footballing brain. And a couple of times he whipped the ball across, but nobody's on the end of it. So Akeem Rose, yeah, hopefully he can carry on because he is lightning and it was an end product. But a good, a good night for the Whites. Yeah, that's what they needed. I think they're at 16th or something now. So we look to go again. Um, big game on Saturday. A win there, and I say, doom and gloom is lifted. But it's going to be a long, hard season. But when you're home games, you might be all right. Bromley also won 3-2 on Tuesday night, beating Weymouth. And both of our teams will be in action this weekend, with Dover hosting Altrincham, as we've heard from Adi Aziz, and Eastley back in the county as they travel to Hayes Lane. Interesting South, and there were three games involving our sides this week, with Ebbsfleet beating Hungerford 3-2, and Maidstone beating 1-0 at Chelmsford on Saturday, before Dartford headed out west to Chippenham on Tuesday night, and came back with a 2-1 win. This weekend, Maidstone hosts Concord Rangers, Dartford are at home to Haven at Waterlooville, Welling United are away to Eastbourne Borough and Ebbsfleet travel to face Billericay. No game for Tunbridge Angels, as we heard from Steve McKim. Into this mini Premier Division, where on Wednesday night, Cray Wanderers bounced back from their FA Cup woe with a 6-0 thumping of Merston. Well, on Saturday, it was a mixed bag as Folks and Victor won 2-1 at Brightlingsea Regent, while Margate's poor form continued as they lost 2-0 at Bognor Regis Town. Gate this week have made two notable signings, uh, Matt. One being former Dartford striker Norman Wabo, and the other, which I know you were particularly interested about, Matt, was the appointment of their first virtual manager, uh, with Johnny, aka JDFM, taking over as Gate on Football Manager. That's uh, big news, yeah? I like Football Manager, like the next person. And and Father Christmas is on my list from Father Christmas. It's the latest game from playing my daughter's Switch, Nintendo Switch. Absolutely perfect. So I'll enjoy doing that. Margate, they're gonna you've got to follow this guy who's gonna take the club to glory. What happens if, if he was me and I was Margate and you get sacked after the first month of the season? Which could not happen. What happens then? Does it start again? It just seems a bit of Margate should be trying to well, maybe it's they've got a lot of these esports are quite popular, but it just seems a strange one. They're bigging up that they get a virtual manager when they actually have a manager. Maybe they should big it up a little bit more. Maybe somebody from Margate want to come on and say what this is all about. So it just seems a little bit strange to me. What's your view on it? Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things that you don't need. I mean, we're not down with the esports, mate, because we're we're not uh, cool enough. Yeah. But it is obviously a big thing. But it does all seem to me like a little bit of something. As you say, they've got far other things. I would imagine that. Um, there's probably not any money changing hands in terms of this thing, but you know, surely if they were going to get someone to do that, why couldn't they have got a Margate fan? I don't know, unless it's just a way of getting more um, traction for the club, because they obviously do very well on that with the uh, with the Libertine sponsorship and the and the and the kits and everything like that. So who knows, Matt? Who knows? But well, yeah, uh, yeah, what are they going to? Yeah, you know, what they're going to achieve again? I presume I don't know if the game will be up to date with all the players. So you could have somebody in the squad who's banging them in for the league and then well, Jay Saunders is not picking him why shouldn't you know it's a bit like that Ebbsleet thing is it you know when they had that pick the team don't pick the team so just seems maybe, maybe I'm not down with the kids and there's a lot of clubs employing people to do virtual manager but it just seems a bit strange really and, and, and I, I did look at this guy and there is I, you know as I've, as I've told you I've watched football manager videos on YouTube when I'm a bit bored and I've never heard of this guy before so 
he might he hasn't got that many subscribers. But fair play to him. I I will be watching to see how it how it pans out. But just sort of that Margate should maybe should be playing on the field rather than off the field that's... well exactly you would think that would be their number one priority at the moment yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and but... Norman Wavo though he signed as well so he must have been he's gone through all the Kent sides now why don't we use it came on for Ebsleet when they I think it's the promotion or the playoff season I think he um, scored a few goals I think he's been on trial at Dover he's been around the houses but Margate are struggling a little bit. Need a goal. They need his goals. They certainly need Wabo yeah. to fire um, when when it comes along. And just very quickly on Football Manager, you may remember a few weeks ago I told you I was doing the Pentagon Challenge, trying to win all five Champions Leagues. Uh, I'm delighted to report that uh, earlier on today I ticked off the first of the five after Mamelodi Sundowns beat Bidvest Bits to win the African Champions League. Uh, we won the second leg five four to win the win the tie five five uh, on away goals. I, I, I'm a big fan of Championship Manager, but yeah, I just can't see why Margate would want to get involved. So where do you go now? You've got to get a job somewhere else now. I'm off you? to Asia. Yeah, I'm just waiting to find out who I'm going to get, but I'm, I've got plenty of other stuff well, on just, today. So. Uh, does that work? Though? You just have to apply for the job, is it? Or. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to apply for a job and see where I go. So wish me luck. Yeah, Some thrilling action in the Isthmian League South East Division this week, and no more so than at Homelands on Tuesday, where a last gasp goal from Tom Ripley gave Sevenoaks a 3-2 win over Ashford, with visitors having been pegged back after taking a 2-0 lead inside six minutes. Also on Tuesday night, Faversham beat VCD 1-0, Phoenix Sports were beaten 2-1 by East Grinstead, Ramsgate and Herne Bay drew 1-1, as did Whitsville and Cray Valley PM. That follows some thrills and spills on Saturday, where Ramsgate won 3-0 at Burgess Hill, Whitsville drew 2-2 with East Grinstead, Herne Bay were beaten 2-1 by Chichester. Sevenoaks lost 1-0 at home to Hastings. Sittingbourne lost 3-2 to Whiteleaf. Nine-man Phoenix Sports were beaten at Three Bridges. And Faversham drew 1-1 at Whitehawk. This weekend, only four of our Eastman League South East sides are in league action as Cray Valley PM go to Chichester, Sevenoaks head to Haywards Heath and VCD host Whitstable. For the rest, it's the FA Trophy or a weekend off, with the Premier Division sides joining the competition as well. Margate travel to Aylesbury United, Sittingbourne go to Barking, Ramsgate are also on the road at Enfield Town, Faversham host Haringey Borough, Herne Bay go to Hitchin, Hythe travel to face last year's surprise quarter-finalist Royston Town, Folkestone are away to Walton Casuals and Cray Wanderers are also away to Whitehawk. Eight ties involving our sides, Matt, and only one is at home. Rough draw that. Who do you fancy to get through? Folks against Portland Casuals. Um, Royston, were they, they, yeah, they got to this quarterfinal. Difficult one for Hythe. Barking against Portland. There's some difficult ties in there. Right? You've got to fancy Craig Wanderers. I know they had a disappointing game in the FA Cup, but 6-0 win. I think they beat Merson last night. Our mate Joey Taylor got a couple of goals. So um, Hastings against Ashford's a good game as well. So um, four, out, four out of the eight. We'll have half going through, John. Okay, good stuff. Into the scaffold then, where Chatham still can't stop scoring, this time hitting six as they beat Irith Town. One of the goals was outstanding as well. Six different goal scorers uh, to boot. They've already scored 54 goals in 10 league games, and that's proving quite costly, in fact, for one Chatham fan. Not that he's actually that bothered, I don't think. Steve Berkey is donating £5 for every goal the Chats score this season to the Royal Miles and Cancer Trust. We looked after Chatham's uh, Chats boss, Scott Lindsay's wife, Hayley, before she sadly lost her battle with cancer last November. An absolutely fantastic gesture from Steve. Uh, If you want to follow him on Twitter, you can. It's at uh, Berkey. uh, Well, sort of. It's at 8-U-R-K-E-Y. So that's his name, Berkey. Uh, but with an eight instead of the B. Rhymes with turkey, but just replace the 
at an eight at the start. <laughs> uh, top man, Steve. What a brilliant, brilliant effort. Um, I think that's 54 goals in 10 matches is, is unbelievable. I thought Corinthians scored a done well, scoring 36. When you see that, goals in there. How many Jack Evans, how many has he got in that? He must have I think he's got 13, has he, this yeah, season? Yeah, so from attacking midfielder. So great cause. It's um, we, we love the scaffold for, for the goals in it, but 54 goals in 10 games. You cannot, if you're if you're a Chats fan, I presume they can only get 300 people in because if, if they're probably selling out every game, shame that you know, can't get more in because people who are missing football think, oh, let's go and watch Chatham because you're, you're guaranteed to score some or see some goals. Elsewhere on Saturday, our pathetic charity effort, compared to Steve anyway, gained a couple more quid thanks to two more goalless draws, Fisher against Deal and Lordswood against Ballum. While at the top, Corinthians stayed level with Chatham Town thanks to a 4-2 win at AFC Croydon and Sheppey kept the division's only unbeaten record after coming from behind to beat Beckenham 3-2. Tom Wells left it late before they beat Glebe 2-1, as did Canterbury City who trailed 2-0 against Punjab United after 15 minutes but hit back to win 3-2, Dale Horton grabbing the winner in stoppage time. There was a hat-trick for Jamie Humphrey and everything Belvedere's 3 1 at Crowborough, Hollands Bear beat K Sports 2 1, and Beersted won 4 1 at Wellingtown. In the first division, Holmesdale kept their 100% record with a 2 0 win over Croydon. They have lost top spots at SC Thames, who lose 4 1 win over Forest Hill Park on Monday, saw them go three points clear. But they have played two more games. Rochester United are the only other unbeaten side after their 3 1 win over Brydon Ropes. Saturday's other results saw Holmesdale win at FC Elmstead, SC Thamesby beat Greenways 3-1, a 1-1 draw between Kent Football United and Forest Hill Park. More late drama as Lidtown came from 2 down down to win 3-2 at Meridian VP. Russell won 4-0 at Snodland and Stansfield beat Sutton Athletic 4-1. In the league this weekend... In the Premier Division, it's Ballum against Beersted, Beckenham against Lordswood, Chatham Town at home to Hollands and Blair, Corinthian host Deal Town, Irith Town against Tunbridge Wells, K-Sports against Glebe, Punjab United are at home to Crowborough and Canterbury City travel to Tower Hamlets. And in the First Division, it's Brydon Ropes against Lewisham Borough, Kent Football United against Rochester United, Lidtown against Greenways, Rustall against Meridian VP and Snodland Town against FC Elmstead. And in the FA Vars this weekend, it's Holmesdale at home to Uckfield Town, Kennington against Fisher, everything Belvedere go to Risborough Rangers, Stansfelder at home to AFC Hayes. There's a scaffold, all scaffold clash as Sutton Athletic host Sheppey United and Wellingtown are at home to Hanworth Villa. Nice some teams to get through from those, Matt, wouldn't we? But the big question is, do you know where Risborough is? That's all. High Wickham, isn't it? Princess Risborough. Ooh. You you do know things about... I didn't think you knew where anywhere was. No, no. Princess Risborough, that's... Um, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, Nine right. miles south of Aylesbury and eight miles northwest of High Wycombe. Yep, so there you go. Boom! Very good. My geography knowledge. Yes, that's impressive, mate. I'm, I'm impressed. How, how did you know that? Did you look it up? No, I knew a, a friend from university lived in Princess Risborough and he, and he... And basically, he used to say he lived in Wycombe, so that's where I know it is. I think Fair Princess Risborough is some sort of famous place, is it? It must be. I think, if we, if we, I think it's. I've never heard of it until this week. I think, so. I think it's famous for something. It might not be, but um, from there. So, eight hundred and twenty-five quid as well for the tides are getting through on that. Yeah. That's um, not to be sniffed at. Ken- Kennington against Fisher. I would say shock on the cards, maybe. Absolutely. Well, we will find out how that all goes next week. Right, Matt. Um, that's pretty much it for the football. But uh, anything else? How's your half term uh, been? Uh, well, yeah, it's. I've been off a couple of days and weather hasn't been particularly good, but it's nice to be with it. <laughs> Weather's terrible here as well. Yeah. So um, we, we did go to, we went to the Ashford outlet 
today. Drove in, realised like it was busy and you had to queue to every shop. So we went straight back out. So we drove to Ashford for no reason then came back. Oh, well. So that was nice. Right uh, just, yeah. Yeah. So um, apart from that, no, not really. Nothing too exciting. Um, no, no, really. It's back to sort of normality. And you're thinking the rest of the world's going into lockdown, but we're carrying on regardless, which is always a bit concerning as from there. But we'll see from that. What about you? Business good? Yeah, it's been OK. But obviously, you know, we are concerned about the uh, about the lockdown for for uh, for. What's it, what's it going to mean for us? You know, we've got bookings for the next couple of weeks, but if they're going to lock us down, I'd rather they just got on with it rather than all this waiting and tier one, tier one plus. There is now tier two, tier three. Are they there tier one it. plus now? Apparently, so. yeah, that's what Bristol are heading towards. I've got no idea what it means. But, my, you know, if you see Germany and France going into full lockdown, then surely we should be doing the same. But as, as someone who is, who is a lockdown sceptic, shall we say, I know of the mindset that we've just got to go into it and get it, get it over with. But the one thing that is really grinding my gears at this exact moment in time is people getting their knickers in a twist about Christmas. If this virus is still around, then I'm afraid you're going to have to abide by the rules for Christmas because it ain't going to know that it's Christmas Day and have the day off. So all people on the city say, well, six isn't enough for me. I need 12 for Christmas. Grow up. Have a roast dinner in March when this is all over. Have a, have a roast dinner another day. It is if, if you value your lives and the lives of your loved ones and the rule is six, you stick to six. OK. Yeah, I, I'm not getting they are getting a bit um, carried away. Christmas is two months away. So I have this conversation at the beginning of December. But my theory is Boris will be seen as the hero and the week before Christmas will say, Yes, I'm extended. You can have up to 12 people just for these two days. And you think, well, as you say, dangerous as far as exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I'm sure that's what he'll do to think he's to make sure him make sure he's uh, looks good, basically, on it. So, Mm, yes, it's all a popularity contest. Anyway, as we say, a little bit of a truncated show this week, but there should be some other bits and pieces in there. It feels like we haven't chatted much, but that's because of uh, various situations. But thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. Uh, where we had our thousandth follower last week and I hope you've all seen the video Um, I was gutted about the video actually just very quickly um, because the way the video cut together when we recorded it uh, you couldn't see what was on the notice board which is up behind my left uh, as you're looking at it which was a picture of Hero uh, a man whose name featured on this show a lot at the start it was a picture of Devon Bostick Uh, but because he didn't make the final cut I had to edit that bit out to get it down to the two minutes 20 Uh, but yeah do find that video out if you haven't yet seen it it was quite entertaining to do Matt's uh, entry uh, was absolutely spectacular what a man he really is you can follow me on Twitter at John Phipps 81 Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard you can find us on Facebook as well just for searching Kent Non-League Podcast Uh, I said last week he'd he'd stop saying funny things at the end of the show so he's going to get his opportunity right now thank you to all of our guests this week Uh, thanks to everybody for listening and we'll speak to you all next week's Kent Non-League Podcast that was a bite-sized edition of the Kent Non-League Podcast shorter but definitely not sweeter.